Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's take a moment to welcome all of our locations, our family and friends. They are special, and we are blessed to have so many people as a part of Victory Life Church. Welcome, guys. So good to have you. Well, I want to continue to share on the subject of how that we have been made free from the law and what does that look like. And I mean this with all of my heart, and some of you may have to tune in to really catch this, but I don't believe you can fully appreciate and enjoy the righteousness you've been made in Christ Jesus till you see how unrighteous you were in Adam. I don't believe that people can worship the way God's called us to worship and to love God with all of our heart, all of our might, all of our strength and all that is within us if you don't see how forgiven you are. Many people have just not seen the condition they were in Adam and how we were no good and how we were not a holy people. We were not a moral people. We were not a good people. And so because they didn't see that condition, they sort of get saved. And it's like, well, Jesus was just something I added to my otherwise halfway good life. Man, that's spooky to me. I didn't just add Jesus to my otherwise good life. I had no good life of my own. I lost that life and I embraced eternal life in Jesus Christ now. And I'm so excited about it. But I believe that that joy I have, that appreciation I have comes because of being under the law and knowing how sinful I was. How evil I was without God. How lost I really was. And the pit that God dug me out of and seated in heavenly places now in Christ Jesus, I have an extreme gratitude, thanksgiving, appreciation, because I know where I was, and now I know where I am, and where I am in Jesus is a whole lot better than where I was in Adam. Amen? Amen. So I want to continue to try to balance some of these things out. And last week, I'll admit that I got excited. I just kind of blew up on everybody. I... I vomited, if you will, but I believe it was holy stuff. I believe it was good stuff out of my spirit man. And so I want to back up a little bit and slow down and try to explain the purpose of the law again and how that it condemns us and how is that a good thing and how does that work in our lives today? So let's go to one of the main passages I did look at, Isaiah Chapter 51, verse 1, listen to me, you who follow now after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were honed and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. That is so powerful. Amen. Hey, women, hey, anybody, that is so powerful. Because few people do that. We've got to look to the rock from which we've been honed. We have to look to Jesus for our righteousness. Look to Jesus for our goodness. Look to Jesus for every good, kind, and wonderful thing in our lives. And be appreciative and thankful for His amazing grace. And how that through faith, simple faith, we're accessing all this, all this wonderful, if you will, kingdom blessings from the rock that we were honed out of. But then he says... And you're supposed to look to the hole of which you were dug. We're not supposed to forget the horrible condition God found us in. We're not supposed to forget. We don't need to be condemned and feel guilty and bad about our past. But when we look to the hole, when I look to the hole 
the pit that God brought me out of, I love him and I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. And yet many people don't even know they were in a pit. They think they were good. They think they were holy. And they again just decided to go to church and add Jesus to their otherwise pure lives. (laughs) Instead of realizing we were a mess. And without God, we today would still be a mess. We're a blessed mess, but we were a mess and we're only blessed because of Jesus, not our own holiness, not our own morality, not our own own goodness. Jesus is that rock we were honed from and the hole that we were dug out of is the pit of that miry clay we were stuck in, in and by nature children of wrath. We were children of darkness. We were lost and without hope. And it's important that you remember not again to feel bad but to be grateful for where we are by The grace of God. We can only fully celebrate who we are now in Christ when we see how bad we were in Adam. So many times people get confused when I'm trying to bring out our sinful condition without God. But you can't appreciate our righteous condition in God if you don't understand your sinful condition before God. And so that's important that people understand that. One of the, one of the challenges for a, a good church, and I believe we're a good church, and one of the challenges is bringing your children up in a good Christian home, bringing your children up, at, let's say even in a, a, an academy, our Christian academy, where, where we love on them and we're praying for them every day and we're speaking God's Word into their lives. Many of those kids can misunderstand thinking they are good without God. And, and, if you will, religious pride can set in where they think they're better than other people now or that they're holy and they haven't done the things maybe kids that weren't raised in church are doing or kids who weren't raised in a Christian home are doing when in reality we're all still born into sin and we all have a nature that is not a holy, righteous nature. It's a sinful nature. And you have to see that and sometimes people who don't live in... These, if you will, horrible things that we talk about have a hard time seeing how messed up they still are without God. Without God. And that's the purpose of the law. It's one of the reasons we have the law. Now listen to me. Contrary to popular belief, we were not good people without God. None of us were good without God. None of us were holy. None of us were righteous independent of God. None of us were wise independent of God. And I mentioned Romans 3. I gave you a lot of scriptures last week. But I mentioned Romans 3. And it's not in our notes again this session. But I want you just to listen at what Romans 3 verses 10 through 18 says. And that Paul wrote about man's condition without God. Because again, we live in a culture that celebrates sin. And we live in a religious culture, many of us, that ignores sin. And the law and the purpose of the law was to make sure sin is revealed and that people who celebrate in their pride their abominations in the street will have no excuse in the day of judgment because God has defined in the law all sin. And converse to people's pride marching in the street celebrating their abominations, there's the religious community that is in pride Over their self-righteousness. And both are an abomination to God. And it's the law that reveals both. That shows both 
groups, the groups that are celebrating things that are destroying their minds will ultimately destroy their lives and will ultimately destroy a culture God has addressed in the law and revealed it. And those that are self-righteous thinking they're better than anybody marching in the street or more righteous in and of themselves or after their flesh, the law has ever revealed our pride in our self-righteousness. And the bottom line is we're all guilty. We all need a Savior and we all need the grace of God in this hour. In this hour. Listen at our condition before Jesus when we were in Adam, born into sin, born into iniquity. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. He's not talking about your condition after you meet Jesus and how God makes you the very righteousness of God in Jesus. He's talking about, I don't care how holy you think you were. I don't care what kind of home you were brought up under. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care how educated even in the Bible you are. We're all born into sin and there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Well, that ain't true. Before I got saved, I did good. No, you did good with an impure motive. You did good to be seen of men. You did good to deceive others into hoping they think you're good. When you're rotten to the bone, you're just nothing but a Pharisee. You're a tombstone walking around full of dead men's bones. See, y'all didn't like that any more than people marching in the street like to be told, this is wrong. But it's also wrong for you to think you were good before you met God. There was none good and you thought you were doing good. And if you could do enough good to outweigh your bad, you could go to heaven. That's self-righteousness. That's pride. You've got to be perfect to go to heaven. You can't be better than your neighbor. You can't be better than another group. You have to keep God's righteous moral standard in word, thought, and deed without error. And you might have been better than your parents or your kids or a group or that denomination or that religion or this religion. But all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Who wants to be the best sinner that goes to hell? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the purpose of the law is to show you your self-righteousness and your pride in thinking you're good when you're no good without God. There is none good, no, not one, and none of us did good We deceived ourselves thinking the good we were doing would be acceptable to God. And just because it was better than other people, it was a filthy rag. Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all an unclean thing. And our righteousnesses are filthy rags. Your good out of your flesh is a filthy rag to God. It is not good compared to God's good. Don't make me preach again. This is a review. And some of you didn't get it the first time. So you got to get it this time. There's none that does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Before God, when we speak in our own arrogance, our own righteousness, our own goodness, it's a tomb. It's words of death. Amen. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. You're no better than a snake full of poison. (laughs) I've met these religious people. Full of poison in the name of God. Full of poison in the name of their righteousness. Full of poison in the name of their good. 
He says, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's how you and I were before Jesus came into our lives. We deceived ourselves. We may have thought we were better people than other people. But we were not righteous in the eyes of God. All have sinned. Romans 3.23 goes on to say, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. People marching in the street, celebrating pride, and how proud they are in their darkness and abominations are no different in the eyes of God than people sitting in church that are proud of their self-righteousness, condescending ways, looking down on others, thinking we're better than anybody else, and none of us are any good. God dug a pit to get you out of it. And both have to be convinced of their pride because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's part of the purpose of the law was to reveal our sin. Was to condemn us for our self-righteousness or our arrogance and celebrating of things that are wrong in the eyes of God. The theory of given the right environment and opportunity everyone will be okay is wrong. And yet if you listen to the powers that be in our culture today, politicians, newscast anchors, professors, and even many preachers are saying people are okay and basically good. And if we just give them the right opportunity, put them in a right environment, they're going to turn out okay and be good people. No, man's bent without God is to darkness and depravity. We are not evolving into good people and moral people without God. We're devolving into darkness and depravity without God. And it's important that everybody understand this. And that we as a church find this balance of the purpose of the law and what law and the role law plays even in our culture versus the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and goodness of God now that is to lead people to repentance. When I talked about the law condemning us, many people have tried to even bring the church back under the law and we try to condemn people to hell. God didn't condemn us to condemn us to hell. The law didn't condemn us to condemn us to hell. The law condemned us to drive us to faith in Christ so we could go to heaven. That's huge. That you understand that. I've never condemned anybody. First of all, it's not my place to judge anybody in the, in the sense of eternal judgment. That's in the hands of God who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And he makes the final judgment. And I've never condemned anybody or judged anybody to heaven or hell. There's some of you that I ain't sure you're going to make it. <laughs> now don't panic. At the locations, don't have a meltdown now. Is, is he talking about me? Well, if you think I'm talking about you, I probably am. <laughs> because people sit in church and go to a devil's hell all the time. Because sitting in church don't, doesn't make you righteous to God either. You're only closer to heaven versus hell being in church. To hear the truth spoken in love and to make a commitment to Christ because only faith gets us to heaven and saves us from a devil's hell. Faith. 
Not our works, not our holiness, not our performance, etc., etc. And so let's talk about this theory because contrary to popular, again, theory, we can put people in, in holy and righteous environments and some of them are still going to hate God and go the way of darkness. We can raise people in a Christian home and some of them are going to hate God and still go the way of darkness. We can put people in good schools and, and, and academies and Christian environments and some of them are still going to hate God and go the way of, of darkness. Again, man without God is not good. The only good in you and the only good in me is God, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so everybody needs to, to make Jesus Lord of their life. People that are celebrating darkness and people that are setting in the light in our churches. And so that theory is not biblical. The law condemns us in our pride and self-righteousness. The law reveals sin and God's wrath on all sin. There is wrath to come. But God's not pouring wrath out on anybody today, lost or saved. God's not punishing people with curses and anger and wrath. That's not to say sin is okay and the sin doesn't have consequences. And one of the things that's frustrating and that I, I love though about church and the commitment for the long haul is I can't say everything and share everything in one or two services. We spent six hours on how we're made righteous by faith. We're in our fifth hour on the law and how it works. We're going to spend hours on holiness and what is holiness and how does it work. And then we're going to spend hours more on breaking us down spirit, soul, and body. And how sin works in our body but doesn't affect our spirit. And all these things and questions can be answered if you hang on. But most people don't even hang on long enough to get something worked out that they're confused over. And I'm telling you, there's more confusion over the law and how the law works in our lives and in the world than any subject in the Bible. And so I guarantee you there's, there's pushback on every comment I make at some level. And we've got to work our way through all of this because the law does condemn us, but it condemns us not to condemn us. It condemns us to drive us to Christ. And if I am even sharing with somebody their sin, to reveal their sin using the law lawfully, I can't come across self-righteous and I can't come across in trying to show them their sin that I want them to go to hell. Because God doesn't want them to go to hell either. So even the reason to bring out sin isn't to condemn them in their sin, to stay in their sin. It is to help them recognize this is sin. Turn to the Lord now and be forgiven of your sin and made the very righteousness of God by faith. So it's important that we love people, no matter what condition they're in, even when the law is called for. We should never be mean to anybody. One of the reasons I'm so good with the sinner sinners in their deep darkness and kind to them and polite to them and trying to help them not compromising sin is I've been putting up with you guys at church for over 30 years. Your self-righteousness, your know-it-all attitude, your better-than-others attitude. It's easy to be nice and kind to a guy that's just, I mean, you're celebrating things that are going to kill you and destroy you. And it's, it should be plain to you. And God's made it plain, dude. You need to get out of this. And this is a path you're on that's one of death. It is actually 
easier to minister to people in deep darkness and sin than ministering to a Pharisee that thinks he's righteous when he is full of self-righteousness and pride. Amen. So I want to thank all of you in our locations. I want to thank every Christian that I've had to put up with and deal with and develop patience and kindness, love, and mercy so I can help the world now get out of their sin. Hallelujah. Because it's easy dealing with the world if you can deal with a a self-righteous Pharisee. God didn't condemn us to condemn us to hell. He condemns us under the law to drive us to Christ. But watch, once Christ comes, the law has to be taken away. Galatians chapter 3 says, once we're united to Christ, the law must be taken away. Now, look at this in 1 Timothy. We looked at it previously, but I flew through it. And this is new to a lot of grace churches. This is, this is difficult for a lot of people that have seen grace and seen the love and kindness of God that if they don't read the whole Bible, if they don't find a balance in Scripture, you'll hear churches standing up now saying, everything's okay. Everything is not okay. Things can ruin you and God still love you. Things can give Satan access into your life and God still love you. And on and on I could go. And so Timothy, Paul is writing to a pastor, the guy who had the revelation of the gospel of grace on how to deal with the law. He says, now the purpose of the commandment, and you'll see in context, he's talking about the law, is love. From a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. When you really look at the law, and all the law was trying to accomplish was to love God now and love people. Even the Ten Commandments, the synopsis of the entire law, the first four Commandments are vertical on loving God. Here's how you love God. Don't be using his name in vain. Don't be bowing to any graven images, etc., etc. And then starting at, at number five, honoring your mother and your father. Now that's going horizontal. And that the way children love parents is to honor and obey them until you come out from under their, their covering. And then the next the next. Five, deal with how we relate horizontally. Quit killing each other. It's not love to kill each other. I'm going to say that again. It is not love to kill each other. It's not love to kill another human being. Murder is what he's talking about. He's not talking about war. He's not talking about homicide and accidental things. God killed Millions of animals under the old covenant law. So don't be talking to me about going hunting. And that I shall not kill. No, I shall not kill you. Even when I'm hunting, so stay out of the woods. (laughs) It isn't love to be killing each other. It's not love killing our babies. It's not love killing the elderly. It's not love assisting them in taking their lives. These things are easy when you understand love out of a pure heart, out of a sensitive conscience. I'll deal with that when I talk about holiness. Sin deadens your conscience. 
And now you can kill the babies, and now you can kill the elderly, and now you can wipe out the handicap. Amen. Man without God is terrible. We without God would be terrible people. This is why I just love God, and I love people that love God. And man, we would be a mess. He says, look, the whole thing is about love. From which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. What kind of idle talk? Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor the things which they affirm. I grew up in church where we were brought under the law to be made righteous with God. People were teaching that, not knowing what you're teaching. And that the purpose of the law was to strengthen sin, condemn me, make me guilty. And it was working perfect. Even at church. He says, they don't even know what they're affirming. He says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. So see, it's incorrect to say now that there's New Testament grace, there's been a cross, Jesus is raised from the dead. We don't even need the old covenant. We don't even need to know anything about the law. Churches preach that now on the other side. You either want to bring people under it to serve God, to get healed, to get blessed, to be used, to be made righteous, which is horrible. That's what I grew up under. Or now... We talk about there's no place for the law of God, the law of Moses, even in our culture. And yet the Bible teaches different in the New Testament. He says if you use it lawfully. So there's an unlawful way to use it, but there must be a lawful way to use it if you can use it unlawfully. Am I being too wordy there and picky? When the Bible tells me if a man uses it lawfully, that just told me there's an unlawful way and a lawful way to use it. So he explains the lawful way to use it. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. So we have to stop and we have to discern and come to the conclusion biblically then, who is a righteous person? A righteous person is anyone who's made Jesus Lord of their life. This is why you've got to be taught and you have to understand when you get saved, you don't have a sin nature in Adam anymore. You have a new nature in Jesus, a righteous nature. Now you have a flesh and you have a bent after your flesh toward darkness still. And, and God took away the old man, but he programmed your carnal unrenewed mind. And there's residue of the old man in all of us and the world is fueling that old residue and our flesh that it can feel like you have a sin nature and being drawn to sin. But I'm telling you, if you're born again, you have a new nature. You're born again of an incorruptible seed. You're born of the Spirit of God and you have a new righteous nature. And so he's telling you that the law now is not for you. A righteous person. Well, then who's it for? Let's just have a Bible now with just the New Testament. Let's never crack the Old Covenant. Let's... No, he says it's not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless. Insubordinate. Ungodly. Sinners. The unholy, profane, murderers of fathers. Amen or oh me. I mean, if you know, if you're killing your parents, you need to know that's not right. I'm telling you, there's a generation being raised up and being conditioned right now that it'll be okay, advisable, 
to kill your parents. They're not productive anymore. They're depressed most of the time anyway. They feel like they don't fit anymore. They are not contributing. So let's just give them a pill now and help them die. The law forbids that. Amen or oh me. And, and, and they were trying to, to kill their parents under the law and make excuses financially for it. Amen. I'm preaching good. Help me, Jesus. Does everybody understand for every mile of truth and balance, there's two miles of ditches? Anytime you try to get on the truth and that narrow one mile, you got a mile of ditches over here and you got a mile of ditches over here. And our culture is so ADD, it's a spirit, that you can't even get people to think for 10 minutes. And I've already busted my 10. <laughs> it is made for murderers of their fathers and murderers of mothers. For manslayers, fornicators, sodomites, kidnappers. Human trafficking is a sin. What happens to these girls and now boys because of the sexuality lines being blurred? Boys are being kidnapped. Young boys are being kidnapped now. Like young girls are being kidnapped into, into slave trade. Human trafficking. This is wrong. Well, you're just picking on kidnappers. No, I'm not picking on kidnappers, but quit it. Don't celebrate it in the street. Don't impose your immorality on the masses and young children whose minds are pure and innocent. The kidnapping is okay. Kidnapping's not okay. Well, how do we deal with Christians that kidnap? I'll get to that. <laughs> Got quiet in this full gospel Presbyterian church. For liars. It's not okay to lie. Everybody understand. Liars are going to have their place in the pit of hell. Perjurers. That's lying under oath. And I like this. I love it. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. This isn't an exhaustive list. He just ran out of breath. He just got tired of writing. He could have wrote. He could have wrote. What he did was anything else contrary to sound doctrine. Just go back to the law of Moses if you want to know what sin is. Amen. So that your young people won't be confused that when college professors and politicians and news anchors... And backslidden preachers tell them this kind of conduct is natural, it's okay, it's actually good, and we should celebrate it. And yet, how many young people today are confused on what right is, wrong is, up is, down is? That's the purpose of the law. And notice, notice he hadn't even quit yet. He says in verse 11, according to the glorious gospel. I have people that get on to me and they say things like, well, pastor, you do so good. You'll go for like months on grace and forgiveness and kindness and goodness. And then you'll slip over and you'll start dealing with social issues and you sound a little political and you sound like you're, you know, pointing things out that just aren't right. We need to stick with the gospel 
according to the glorious gospel. See, the good news is you don't have to be a pervert forever. Not that perversion's okay. Be a pervert. March in the streets. Celebrate it. Put it in curriculum. Let's pass laws and enshrine it now. So that an entire generation can have their minds made up. No, you, you got to quit fornicating, people. God loves you. But you got to quit fornicating. we got to teach our children not to fornicate. You can't be sleeping with animals. That's coming next. It's already happening. I told you it would happen years ago. Because you can't stay on the slope we're on. It's headed straight into the pit. And somebody has to at least put the brakes on it in love. In love. You, you can't be killing your parents. Amen. On and on. I just read some of the list. And he said, this is part of presenting the gospel. Is that, hey, and such were some of us. I guarantee you that short list probably nailed everybody in here. There's two or three things. Well, probably four. There's four things on there that get me. I don't want to read it again. There might be five. But that's how I was in Adam. That's how I was after the flesh. That was the path I was on. And I got off of that path because of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God loved me, but he loved me too much to let me stay on the path thinking I was okay. He told me I wasn't okay not to beat me down and keep me down. He told me I wasn't okay so I could change directions by faith and get on the path now of no more kidnapping no more lying and if I after the flesh fall into any of that stuff I certainly don't celebrate it I repent of it I feel bad about it and it's good that I feel bad about it if I could kill off my parents and not feel any shame or guilt that is not healthy now God doesn't want me condemned and wallowing in it and pushed down and living under that guilt and condemnation. He wants me to purge my conscience of it, but he doesn't. He still doesn't want a Christian killing their parents. Can I get a witness? And so this is a part of the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my, to my trust. It is not for a righteous man. Faith in Christ makes us a righteous man or righteous before God. Look at Proverbs 17, 15. This is huge. This is huge. We all need to get this. And we all need to understand this in the leadership and, we, and hopefully the disciples among us. We'll always have converts and the immature among us. But the goal isn't just to get saved and remain a convert and immature. The goal in the Bible is to go from a convert to a disciple. A disciplined follower of Jesus that's willing to not only face the truth but embrace the truth in love. He says, he who justifies the wicked... And he who condemns the just, both of them are an abomination to the Lord. Did everybody see that? This is the challenge we have in this hour as the church in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We are to hold forth the word of life in the midst of it. And how do you keep from justifying the wicked... And at the same time, not condemn the just. Even at church, it's difficult. There's always people here that are lost. That's why we see people saved every weekend. There's people that are searching, seeking. They're still in that pit. And God wants to dig them out. 
and recreate them in Christ Jesus. And if I justify the wicked, that's an abomination. It's as much an abomination. Now look at me. Listen to me. It is as much an abomination for me to justify the wicked as it is any abomination the wicked are committing. For me to say to a wicked person, you're okay, would be an abomination. It's okay for me to say God loves you. It's okay for me to say God died for you just like he died for me. Has forgiven you and extended forgiveness. All these wonderful things can be shared. But to justify the wicked is an abomination. It is. But then to turn around, 98%, probably 99% of everyone watching me right now is a Christian. And for me to condemn them would be an abomination. I want that to sink in. That's the challenge we have as leaders. That's the challenge we have as a church. How do we keep from justifying the wicked and not now condemn even the just that have been made righteous by faith? That's why it's so important that you be committed to a a local body that's committed to God and each other to walk and work this stuff out. Because I don't have it in my heart to condemn anybody. I don't have it in my heart to condemn the wicked. But I don't have it in my heart to justify him either. Because you and I were the wicked. And the only reason you're here is because somebody didn't justify your wickedness. Somebody brought it to your attention in love. And the Holy Spirit convicted you of your unbelief. And you got born again by the power of God. By the power of God. By the power of God. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through one. Much more, they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, gift, righteousness is a gift, will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. If we as Christians do not understand our righteousness now in Jesus, we can't reign in this life. We can't reign over sin. We can't reign over darkness. We can't reign over finances. We can't reign over sickness. Till we see we're righteous by faith. And it was a gift, is what he said. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to how many men? Adam's sin plunged us all into darkness, into, into judgment. We're all under judgment before Christ. And we're on a path that leads to God's wrath in the final day. And while he's not pouring wrath out on any of us, saved or lost, There's a day of wrath coming that we were all born into that we got to get born out through faith in Jesus. He says that this judgment came to all men resulting in what? That's why I can say I'm not even condemning anybody lost. They're condemned already. I was condemned in Adam before I had faith in Jesus. Nobody ever condemned me. I was already condemned. Even so, through one man's righteousness, that's Jesus, or righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. One of the reasons we're supposed to be shouting, and we're not self-righteous, and we're not condescending, and we're not judgmental toward people stuck in a pit, is because God got us out. We didn't get ourselves out. 
God got us out. All right. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, many were made what? See, you and I are righteous not because of any holiness we did, any, any righteousness we did, any performance after our flesh. We were made righteous through Jesus' obedience just like we were made sinners by Adam's disobedience. All of us were conceived... Psalms 51 verse 5, all of us were conceived in iniquity and born into sin through Adam's transgression. And the only way to get out is to get born out. Get born again through the second man, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And so even when we're sharing this is wrong, it is not to push people down to keep them down, but it is... For God to open their eyes to their sinful condition in Adam. Because the only hope to be saved is to see you're lost. The only way to be made righteous with God's righteousness is see that your righteousness is a filthy rag. Whether it's self-righteousness and your own personal goodness sitting in a church. Or it is darkness and death marching in the streets celebrating things that are so destructive. Hurtful and harmful. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he, that's God, for he made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look at this closing passage here. We're going we're gonna to transition into no condemnation as believers now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are he didn't say there's no condemnation to those that are in Adam. He said there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Who do not walk according to the flesh. We're in the flesh. We stumble after the flesh. We make mistakes still as Christians after the flesh. But that's not our bent any longer. We're walking after or according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. Now watch this. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Why did God take your sin and my sin and the sins of the world and condemn them in the flesh of Jesus? That the righteousness or the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And there's three things that have changed my life. Number one, number one, Christ did what I could not do, keep the law. I couldn't keep the law, you couldn't keep the law. We could not measure up in our own might and power. We needed a Savior. So Jesus did what I could not do, keep the law. Then Jesus paid for what I did do, break the law. Now watch this. Then Jesus was raised from the dead to do what the law couldn't do. Make me righteous before God. Amen. Wow. That is awesome. <clears throat> and it sure seems simple to me. And I pray that I'm communicating it in a balanced way where we can realize, man, in my life, the law played a perfect role. It condemned me, made me feel guilty for the way I was living, the darkness I had fallen into, I repented, I came out of that pit, not in my own holiness or strength, God Almighty pulled me out, 
And he made me a new creation in Jesus Christ. The rock. I was honed now after that very rock. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And now by faith, I've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Were you blessed? Amen. (laughs) Father, I love you so much. And I thank you for your goodness in my life. I thank you for your goodness in everyone's life within the sound of my voice. And I pray that all come to know you. And that you become our very righteousness in Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen.